mind game. It, there's, a, there's a specific formula. We're trying to discover it. We're trying to solve it. It's almost like a, a puzzle that we're trying to put together or a math problem that we're trying to solve. And we've you know, got to know the correct formulas and how often do I need to pray and what's the right prayer and how much time do I need to spend with God and how can I know God's will? Can I know God's will? You know, his ways are higher than our ways. And so how am I supposed to do what God wants me to do if I don't know what he wants me to do? And so we've covered a few things. I'm going to do a quick recap for you over the last couple of weeks because we're in our third week now. And um, I hope that the last couple of weeks have been eye-opening for you a little bit, uh, those of you that have been here. But I want to give a quick recap on some of the points that we have covered and discovered so far. First of all, we saw that uh, most believers, most Christians, when they come into the kingdom, when they make a choice to live for God, they want to know God's will. I don't know a lot of Christians, a lot of believers that say, you know what, I don't really care what God wants me to do. I don't really care what his plan is. Most of us, we know that God has a plan. Uh, Some of our favorite Bible verses that we know and quote are ones that he has a plan. He's predestined us. He's created a life for us that he wants us to walk in. And so most of us want to know God's will. And then we discovered this through God's word. We know that God wants us to know his will. God wants us to know his will. He doesn't want us to be in the dark because he knows that if we don't know his will, then we can't do his will. And so we know that we've been placed here for a specific purpose. There's a plan for our lives. God has that plan. He wants us to know that will. He wants us to know that purpose. But how do we take the guesswork out of it? How, what, what's the formula? What's the things that we're missing so that we can know God's will? And even though we may understand our purpose as believers and as Christians to shine the light, to be a light in darkness, what we're talking about through this series isn't the general idea of God's will. It's the specifics of God's will. It's not the purpose of our lives, but it's the assignments that accomplish that purpose. What are those assignments in life? Do I take this job or not take this job? How many kids am I supposed to have? Uh, Do I move? Um, uh, you know, we have these questions and we want to know God's will in our lives pertaining to these specific questions. And so we want to discover these. We want to know, uh, because how many of you have ever made the statement, I don't want to be out of God's will. Anyone ever made that statement? That's like a big fear for a lot of believers. And so knowing God's will has actually created more of a prison than it has freedom in people's lives. They're afraid to be out of God's will. They're afraid to take the wrong road. They're afraid to go to the wrong job. They're afraid to take the wrong position. And so I want want God's will to bring freedom to our lives. And the first week we discovered this, huge point, that God's will is not about knowing something. It's about knowing someone. And we identified that in trying to solve the equation of God's will, We've actually removed the most important key in the formula, and that is knowing the person. We've got to get beyond just trying to grab a hold of information and into developing a relationship. Because how many of you know, especially those of you that that are married, the more you got to know someone, you got to know what they like and dislike. You got to know their will and intent. You got to know what their purpose was. My wife, I I know the things that she likes, and I know the things that she doesn't like. 
I've, I've gotten to know that over the last, uh, you know, five years of marriage now. Six years of marriage. Don't tell her I got that wrong. Six years of marriage now. It flies. Amen? What's that? I'm still learning. Still got a long way to go. Six years is nothing. Okay? But I am learning uh, and, and continuing to learn what she likes and what she dislikes because I've gotten to know her. I didn't marry her for information. I married her for relationship. And in knowing God's will, we have forgotten that we need to know him. And so we covered in the first week that knowing God will actually lead us to his will. Getting to to the point where we establish a relationship with God, the creator, our father, who knows everything about us, who has that plan, who's already directed our steps for the righteous. We've got to get to know the person. So God's will is not about knowing something. It's about knowing someone. Then last week, we covered another very uh, valuable point uh, that we need to... uh, be involved with if we're going to know and understand God's will for our lives, and that is that God is more concerned with how we do something than what we do. God is more concerned with how we do something than what we do. You see, God has ways, and then God has a will. And being in God's will will negate a successful life if we don't do it his way. Many people want to know God's will, and pe- many people want to uh, discover God's will, but how many people want to do God's will? And then in doing God's will, do it his way. And so we're wondering how many kids are we supposed to have when he's saying, raise the children that you do have in my word and properly. Uh, you know, we have single people that are trying to find you know, the proper spouse, and yet they're not living for him. They're not obeying his ways today. And so now they're being concerned with something that God's saying, if you don't get in my ways, how are you going to ever do my will? And so we've got to know God's ways. And God is more concerned with how we raise our children than how many children we have. God is more concerned with how we operate on the job than which job we take. God is more concerned with how we operate ourselves at school or at a university than which university do I go to. And so in solving God's will, in, in looking at these formulas, uh, we have to understand that there is a way that God wants us to do his will. And if you obey God's ways, he will lead you into his will. We saw in Proverbs chapter 3, he said, uh, submit to me. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding, and I will direct your paths. Well, if we're not submitted to him in our life today, he's going to have a hard time directing, in our, directing us in, our, in his paths tomorrow. And so we have to understand these two huge key elements uh, in solving God's will. Today, I want to give you uh, three elements, three elements of God's will. What are those elements? that make up God's will. And I believe that by narrowing it down to these three things, that it'll lead us into more because we're going to go next week and we're probably going to go at least one, maybe two more weeks after that in solving God's will because there are channels to God's will. God doesn't lead you in his will the same way every time. 
And I know most of us wish that God would just give us the channels that he gave, uh, you know, Moses and uh, Joshua and Joseph and Mary. Uh, How many of you just want to be awakened in the middle of the night by an angel and say, thus saith the Lord? And that would just make it so easy, right? That would just make it so simple. How many of you on the way home would like to see a bush on the side of the road just burning, just on, on fire, but it's not actually burning away? And then a voice comes out. Yeah, we'd all love those things. We, we think if, if God could just, just send an angel, just send an earthquake, just shake me. But I want us to help discover that God is actually giving us his will through multiple sources every day, and sometimes we don't even know it. Sometimes we miss it. And so we need to look at these elements so we can properly understand how God leads us into his will. We know he has a will. We know he has a purpose. We know he wants us to know it. How does he lead us into that? So I want to give you elements of God's will so that way when we begin to discover how to know God's will, you can put it through one of three, one of these three elements. The first principle I want to give you is how versus when. How versus when. And just to let you know, we have these messages on version online. You can uh, see all the verses there if you have an iPhone, iPad, or, uh, you know, whatever device. I heard a commercial the other day that said, if you have a smart device, you can go to our website from your phone. If you have a dumb device, you can call us. Uh, so apparently there are smart devices and dumb devices now, but if you have a smart device with you, you can access our messages through version. How versus when? God's will is more present than future. God's will is more present than future. Here is how most of us uh, assess God's will for our lives. God, show me your will for later on down the road. But God's will is more concerned, uh, involves more of what we're doing today rather than what is coming tomorrow. And here's the problem that we have, is when we look at God's will as a future object, if I could just be in God's will, uh, then I would do God's will. The thing is, is we negate today, and we do away with what we're doing today, when we need to be asking the question, God, how can I do your will today, right now, in my life, where I'm at right now? This room is mostly filled with married couples. In fact, I don't know that we have any single people in here. But you all can relate to when you were single, and being married was a future object. And when I, when I counsel young people that are, uh, you know, prospectively getting married or know who they want to marry or have an idea of who they want to marry or have an idea of what they want in a spouse but they haven't really met that person yet, the first thing I always tell them is take care of yourself. Because if you met the person you're supposed to marry today, are you ready? Are you the person they should marry? But see, we always think about, is that the person I should marry? When we need to be positioning ourselves to say, 
I'm going to live myself according to the word. I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a woman of God. I'm going to be a prospective husband or wife to someone one day. So I'm going to be in God's will for my life today. So when that time does come in the future, I'll be ready. But you see how a mindset of just future tense, of always putting God's will as, well, I would do that if I knew this, or I would, I would be the right employee if I had the right job, or I would do this if I was in the right position, or if I lived in the right place, then I would go to that church. And God's saying, do what you know today, and I'll reveal to you what you don't know tomorrow. See, many of us never really set, up, set ourselves up for God's will. We, 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 do, we, we live our life in such a future tense mode that we're, we're never really careful to really position ourselves to be in God's will and to operate properly. And so we've got to get out of this future mindset. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. It's interesting to note in the word of God that many people that God called to do a specific assignment or purpose, they weren't looking for it. They were doing something completely different. In fact, they were doing things uh, uh, that almost seemed like they were just going about normal daily activities. And when you look at the 12 disciples... How many of them were wearing a sign that said, pick me? Or, you know, how Jesus, I'll go. Jesus, no, they were busy doing their thing. They were working for their fathers, pulling fish in from the ocean. They were tax collectors. They were husbands. They were doing normal daily activities, and God would draw them in. Look at Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock back to the uh, the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now... Turn aside and see this great thing, why the bush does not burn. Go back to verse 1. What was Moses doing? Was he fasting? Was he meditating? Was he, God, if you could just show me a sign, just, just light a bush on fire. If you could just, if you could just burn a bush, then I'll know. Then, then I'll go to Egypt. No, he was tending sheep. What was David doing when he got called to be king of Israel? Tending sheep. Working for his dad. What were they doing? They were just living out a daily routine. I mean, I I love when you read about Noah in Genesis chapter 6 because it gives this whole uh, preliminary thing of how every man on the earth is doing evil. In fact, there was so much evil on the earth that the Bible says God was sorry he made man. And then you get to Noah. And he walked uprightly before the Lord. I mean, I should tell you right there that no matter what's going on around you, I mean, when you look at Noah's life, eight people out of the entire universe made it. 
And he wasn't even saved. He didn't even ask Jesus to come into his life, be the Lord of his life. He was just being obedient to the word that God had given him. And that's the man that God picked to build an ark. And he didn't say, God, uh, I, I really think that you should just wipe out the whole, the whole world, flood the whole thing. I, I'm pretty good with wood. If you let me build an ark, I'll build one. Me and my family can go on it. We'll take a bunch of animals, put them on there. And God said, yeah, son. No, he was just doing his own thing, just being obedient to God's word as God had dictated, as God had called him. And so this whole God's will, sometimes we say, I will do God's will when I know God's will. When he's saying, walk in my ways today, walk in what you know. Are, are you a husband? Then, then, be the, then be a husband. Are you a wife? Then, then be a wife. Are you a parent? Then be a parent. Are you an employee? Many of us want to be employers, but are we the right employee? I've had the opportunity the past several months to talk with a few people about going into ministry. And, and when people start talking about ministry, that's one of the biggest things I want to be in God's will. When we talk about God's will, we, want to, we talk about location. We talk about timing. And, you know, we want to know those things ahead of time. You know, sometimes I think that we are hoping that God's will lines up with our will. Sometimes I, I think that, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do, but here's an idea I just sketched something up real quick. This has got, got an idea of here's a location, uh, here's the house I want, here's the salary I want to get, you know, here's the, the how many kids I want. Sometimes I think we have an idea and say, if you could make it look like this, that'd be awesome. And I'm not, and, and we all throw the verse out there, God will give you the desires of your heart, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He sure will. He'll give you the desires of your heart. So keep desiring. But we can't be in this future mode of, well, when God reveals his will or when I get that job or when I get that house or when I have that many kids, then I'll do. No, let's do what we know today and he'll reveal what we don't know tomorrow. I believe that. I believe that. And so when I talk to these, uh, you know, different people about going into ministry, I'll let them know. Be faithful where you're at today. Are you serving children in the nursery? Then serve the children like that is all that God has called you to do. Are you an usher? Then usher like that is what God has called you to do for the rest of your life. And watch where God will lead you. Watch where God will guide you. I have never once in my entire life seen someone be faithful with little and never get much. I've never seen it. His word always stands true. His word always comes to pass. And if you will be faithful in the little, you will be a ruler over much, period. Many times we see people that are doing big things. We, we see the companies they own. We see the money they have. We see the houses they live in. We see the family they have. We see the, 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 the churches they pastor. And we, we, we think that that happened to them overnight. And we forget that every person is given a little bit. Every person is given an opportunity in a small amount. And what you do with the small determines what you will do with the big. If you take care of the seed, then God knows you'll take care of the tree. Because if you won't take care of a seed in its smallest form, 
you will have a hard time taking care of the tree in its biggest. If we can't take care of the little bit that God has placed us, I want four kids. Well, take care of the one you have. I'm just a, I'm a low man on the totem pole with this job. Do that like that's all that God has called you to do. Sweep floors like that's what he's called you to do. Be faithful with that and watch what he'll do in your life. So we have to get out of this future mode. It's more of how versus when. And, and we can't be thinking when it comes. We've got to think about how can I do God's will today. Amen? Uh, number two, the second element that I think is important to understanding God's will. Because, look, I'd hate for God's, God to reveal his will to us tomorrow and we don't recognize it. <laughs> so we've got we to lay some groundwork. We've got to lay some foundation. Number two, why versus what? This is a little bit of what we talked about last week, Colossians chapter 3. Verse 23, Colossians chapter 3, and whatever, everyone say whatever, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Put motive before action. Put motive before action. Know why you're doing something before you do it. Before we even started this series, I taught on obedience. And I said that we had to go there. Because many people in life, many people in this Bible, have had God's will revealed to them. But they didn't handle it properly. And they weren't obedient when God did reveal the will. Why versus what? Know why you're doing something before. And God wants to know that you'll do whatever, and he's still going to get the glory. Let me tell you something real quick. Sometimes we feel in life as believers that there's only, that God doesn't get glory out of everything we do. It's just certain things. But I'm going to tell you right now that God was meant to get the glory out of whatever you do. Pastors are not the only ones that can give glory to God in their occupation. It doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter what you do. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom. God can get the glory. And God should get the glory. And when you are in that position of why I'm doing something, He'll get the glory. And that's why he says, whatever. Look, actions without proper, uh, without proper heart have no value. Actions with improper motive have no value to God. Let me give you an example. King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 15. God tells him to go in uh, to the, uh, the Amalekites. And kill every last one of them. And people say, well, how in the world could God do that? And we're talking children. We're talking mothers. We're talking fathers. But here's why. Because God said we don't war against flesh and blood. There was something on the other side of that that we can't see that God was trying to wipe out. But King Saul, we know, we, 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 we've gone through it. We've seen it. King Saul goes in and disobeys God. Why? Because he wants to please the people. 
And then like every terrible leader does, he plays the blame game and blames the people. Well, they wanted me to do it. They told me to do it. And what did he say? We were going to save all these animals so we could sacrifice them to God. Now, most of us would stop and think, oh, man, why didn't I think of that? Sacrifice, that's so much better than just destroying everything and just obliterating everything. Let's just save the good stuff and sacrifice. God loves to be, have things sacrificed to him. God loves sacrifices. Great idea, Saul. That's not what Samuel said. What did he say? He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. He said, King Saul, your actions done out of the wrong heart, done out of disobedience to God, your king, has removed you from being king over his people. He said, your actions with an improper motive have no value. He doesn't care about your sacrifice. God doesn't care how much you give to church. God doesn't care how much you come. God doesn't care how much you pray and how much you do his work. If you're not obedient to him and do it with the right heart, now that doesn't remove the action because if you have the right heart, you'll give. If you have the right heart, then you'll come and serve. If you have the right heart, then you'll do everything you do in your life for his glory and for his kingdom. But actions without the heart have no value, period. And so we've got to understand why we're doing. And like we said last week, I believe God is more concerned with how you do something than what you do. I believe he's concerned with how you raise your kids rather than how many kids you have. Uh, I believe that he's concerned with how you operate on the job than what job you take. Because if you're the CEO of a company and you don't give God any credit and any glory, you might as well go sweep floors and give him all the glory and give him all the praise and let him get the credit. Because the action with the wrong heart, with an improper motive, has no value to God. You're wasting your time. See, God's will comes with his way to do it. If it's your will, then you can decide how you do it. But remember, we're seeking after God's will. And so if we're going to go after God's will, then we have to know how God wants to do it. If God has something he wants you to do, then he has a way that he wants you to do it. And so we've got we've to be in a position, no matter what I do, God, no matter what you call me to do, I'm going to do it with the right heart, with the right motive, with the right intent, and you are going to get all the glory. God's will is designed that he gets the credit. Where people get off is when they do their will, and anytime someone does their will, it's because they want the credit. But God wants the credit. The Bible says God is a jealous God. He wants all the glory. He wants all the praise. He wants, he, he wants to be glorified through your life. He wants you to walk in his will so people can see Jesus in you. Amen? Go to, well, let's do number three real quick. Number three. It's the last one. Person versus place. 
person versus place. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the first week. We just said God's will is not about knowing something. It's about knowing someone. And we've got to get out of wanting to be in God's will, and we need to be in love with God. Don't be in more, don't fall more in love with God's will than you do with God. Some people love God's will more than they love God himself. They, people want to be in God's will because it brings security. People want to be in God's will because then they know, because we all know God knows the future. God knows the end from the beginning. He, he's already got this thing all outlined. And some people just want to be in God's will because they know that they'll be on the right path. And they forget to love God and to develop an intimate relationship with him. When you know God, you'll know what he knows. When you know God, then you'll know what he knows. And when you seek God, he'll reveal his will. Look at this in um, Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. Person versus place. Are you getting something this morning? Amen. Romans 8, verse 28. We've all heard this verse. We know this verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who were called according to his purpose. We love that verse. And we forget that it's conditional. It says, and we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God. It's conditional. If you want things to work together in your life, you have to love God. You got to seek Him, to know Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. That word purpose means a deliberate plan. God has deliberately set a plan for your life. He has deliberately chosen your life picked you out before the foundations of the world and set you on a course to glorify him. Every single individual, no one's left out. He's not a respecter of persons. And if that plan is to be a janitor, then be a janitor and give all the glory to God. If that plan is to raise one kid, then raise that child and give all the glory to God. If that plan is to raise four kids, then raise four kids and give all the glory to God. Whatever God calls you to do, do it in his name that he gets the glory. And then when we, work, when we learn to love God and develop that intimate relationship with him, he'll reveal his will to us. Here's another verse we all like, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Many of you are already starting to quote it in your heads right now. But let's go there and let's read it. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think. How many of you are excited that God is thinking about you? The God, the creator of the universe, is thinking about the thoughts that he has for you. God is a planner. He has planned this thing all out. I, I'm a planner. I'm that guy. I, 
I, I'm that guy that likes to have everything planned out, likes to know what we're doing. I don't, I'm not one of those spontaneous, well, let's just drive and see where we go or what are we going to do for vacation this year? Well, we'll, we'll see. We, no, I want it planned out. I want to know where we're staying. I want to know what we're doing every day of the week. And, and, and I got to have the whole thing set up, man, because I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to get there and have to plan. I'll just knock all that out before we get there. Well, me and God are on the same page. We, we plan things out. He's a planner. He's a thinker. He's already thought this out way ahead of time. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. We love that. How many of you have that in your house on a wall somewhere? Got it highlighted in your Bible, underlined. You, you've been praying that over your kids. That's great. But let's go to verse 12. There's verses after that. Then you will call upon me and go pray to me, and I will listen to you. Verse 13, watch this. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, we want to know those thoughts. We want to know those plans. We want to know the things that God has for us, the, pl- the steps that he's ordered and ordained for our lives. We love that verse. He has ordained the steps of the righteous. But then he gives the secret to knowing his will. And you will seek me and find me. Now he's talking to a people, Jeremiah, who's getting ready to be taken into 70 years of captivity. Because they have failed to follow God. They have failed to obey him. They have failed to do what he's called them to do to get their lives in alignment with the word and the direction that he's given. And he's letting them know. I mean, if you read before verse 11, it ain't good. That's why we take 11 and we pull it out. We wish that we could just rip that part out of our Bible and take it out of the rest of the chapter because the rest of the chapter ain't good. He's He's letting them know. You're about to be taken over by the Babylonians for 70 years. You're about to go into captivity. And this is what he says, for I know the thoughts I have for you. You've got to trust God that even when all hell is breaking loose around you, he still has thoughts of peace. He still has thoughts of a future and a hope. And it might seem like you're captive. It might seem like you're uh, strapped down, like everything's falling apart. I can't find God's will. I don't know God's will. I don't know how to know God's will. I don't know how to do God's will. And he's saying, I have thoughts for you, regardless of what's going on around you. I have a plan for future, and I have a plan for hope. What is he alluding to? He's saying, look, you're about to be taken captive, but I have a plan to redeem you. I'm sending my son Jesus to bring back the kingdom from heaven back into the earth and then restore you back in the kingdom and to make you a ruler once again. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to restore you. The plan and the will and the purpose that I had in Genesis chapter 1 is still the plan and purpose that I have for you. He has thoughts of peace, thoughts of a future, thoughts of a hope. But he's saying, seek me and you will find me. He doesn't say, seek my will and you'll find my will. He says, seek me. And when you find me, then you'll find my will. Because God has hidden his will in himself. If you want to find God's will, it's in him. 
And I promise you, if you develop that relationship with him, to know him more, to live for him, to do all that he's called you to do, you will discover his will. We said in the first week that there is no formula. I set you up real good by getting the logo that's got all kinds of little graphs and numbers and and made you feel like, you know what, he's going to give us the formula for knowing God's will. I'm, I'm going on Sunday. And I hope I didn't let you down, but there is no formula to knowing God's will. Because here's why. If there's a formula to know God's will, then you don't ever have to go to God again. I don't have to go to my math teacher to know what 2 plus 2 is. I don't have to go back to him. Why? Because he taught me how to know the formula and know what 2 plus 2 is. And when I learned the formula, it removed ever having to go back to the teacher. But God has not given us a formula. Why? Because he says... If you want to know my will for your life, you've got to come find me. You've got to seek me. And you've got to seek to please me with your life. You've got to seek to do my will my way. That's what God wants. Seek to please him, not yourself. Seek to please him, not yourself. The key to solving God's will is seeking God. The key to knowing what God wants you to do, where he wants you to go, who he wants you to marry, what job he wants you to have, is get to know him. Because we've done it backwards. If he'll show me what he wants me to do, then I'll do it the way he tells me to do it, and then I'll get to know him. And he's saying, no, 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 let's go backwards. Get to know me. Get to learn how I want you to do things. Then you'll know what I want you to do specifically. That's what God is asking us to do. That's the key to solving God's will. These are the elements of God's will. And then next week, we'll get into the channels. How does he reveal God's will? Because he doesn't do it the same way every time. One time, he may use a spouse. Next time, he may use a stranger on the road. Next time, he may just reveal it through his word. Next time, he may uh, use uh, circumstances and situations in your life to say, hey, this is the way to go or this is not the way to go. And then on top of that, he's placed someone inside of you that knows exactly what God is thinking every time. And if you can get in tune with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you will never miss God's will. You'll never miss the leading of the Holy Spirit. I said last week, I don't want it to seem like God doesn't care about your daily routine. Because he does. There are times that he will give you specifics. Hey, don't go down this road. Anyone heard that testimony of a person? Hey, I didn't go down that road. I took another way. I don't know why. Found there was a car wreck on it later. Yeah, we've all heard those stories. And God will speak that way. But on a general basis, he doesn't care if you eat fruity pebbles or cinnamon toast crunch. He doesn't care if you wear blue or red. He's not concerned with that. He wants to know, are you going to live with me? Or are you going to live for me? Are you going to give me all the glory in your life? Are you going to glorify me whether you're the low man on the total pole or whether you're the CEO of the company? If you're not going to praise him when you get $10, you're sure not going to praise him when you get 1000 He wants the glory through the whole thing. He wants the praise through the whole thing. He wants to know that you're going to do it my way so when I do reveal my will, I know 
what your response is going to be. Amen? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the clarity by your Holy Spirit, the illumination and the understanding that comes. Father, the things that we have heard this morning, I pray that it settles in our heart, it settles in our spirit, that you will be bringing it to our remembrance through this week, Father, as we meditate on it, as we study it, as we look at these verses, as we look at our notes, Father, I thank you that you want us to know your will. You don't want us to be in the dark. You don't want this thing to be a guessing game. You don't want there to be some special formula and you're trying to hide it and play a cat and mouse game with us. Father, you want us to know your will. And Father, when you reveal the steps to knowing your will, when you identify, identify the proper way to come into understanding your will, Father, I thank you that you are going to begin to make your will known to us. You're going to reveal to us what we don't know because we're going to obey you in what we do know. Father, there is nothing more important in our lives this morning than living for you, walking with you, giving you all the glory and all the praise in everything that we do. And I thank you, Father, that as we make these small adjustments in our life, that your will will become so clear to us. Understanding will become so clear to us. And we will know, we will know beyond the shadow of a doubt, no doubt in our mind that we are living for you We are in your perfect will. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.